I'm delighted, I've been la-di-da-din Not a lot of thoughts when I ponder from the top Man, these boys, they be podding I trust them like a lot And they told me that I get it Guess what, I got it You should do it too You will never lose If you ever do Must have been a ruse Ricky, that's my dude Stoops are super cool Sharks up in the pool I've been sparking up my tools I've been looking to win Spend a little again I've been for spittle to them My God, I riddled again I told them stop clowning around They said what goes up comes down I said I'm down with the sickness My team stay ill now Come get this I'm just so David and light I stay ready tonight Deep dive, we rise That's the melee, alright David and light David and light Da-da-da, da-da-da Da-da-da, David and light Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Delight brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network. I am your host, Ricky Valera. On today's episode, we are going to continue on with our 2021 college football previews. We are tackling Texas A&M. And I'm excited about this episode. Uh, we joked about this off the air before we came on. You will hear a lot more of Stoops this week than you will hear of me because this is Stoops' team. As always, I am joined by my partner here, Stoops. How are you today, bud? I've been counting down the days. <laughs> Now, it was one of those where at the beginning, obviously, I wasn't going to uh, suggest that we talk about A&M. I was hoping we would, but I was going to let it, you know, come into place if it did. If it did. And sure enough, here we are. So I'm excited. Um, obviously, I say this, and maybe not every week, but pretty often. Any chance someone will, will allow me to talk about A&M, um, I'm definitely on board with it. So pretty excited. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. I mean, we joke, you know, that you're going to take a back seat and I'm going to be the one doing most of the talking, but I know you're going to have your 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 points on some certain things, so I'm interested to see what your thoughts are and why they'll be national champions. <laughs> I love that. Before we go into Texas A&M real quick, folks, I want to remind everybody that on April the 29th, we are going to be doing a, I had to make sure I got the right date, April the 29th, we are going to be doing our second annual live NFL draft show. I'm super excited about it. We've got guests lined up right now. Ryan Roberts, um, Christian Williams, Matt Hicks, Corey Woodruff, and Linda. We've got a lineup packed right now. We've got some more people that are talking about coming on board, trying to lock them in. Even Matthew Fox from the Fantasy Football Roundtable said he would come on with us just so he could cry about how bad the Broncos pick is. <laughs> so, folks, I'm super excited that we're going to be doing another uh, year of this. It's going to be Almost four hours of Stoops and I tackling the draft. Um, we're going to do some prep this year so we can learn to talk about some defensive guys and maybe even some offensive line guys with uh, some intelligence. So I'm super excited about the guests coming on. I'm super excited to do another year of this. What about you, Stoops? Yeah, I'm excited. I was actually on <clears throat> Instagram, um, and I can never say the guy's name, but that lineman out of uh, Oregon. P- yeah. P- P- this dude. <laughs> The first clip of it was the 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 D end basically kind of was coming through, and he literally just one arm shoved him to the ground, and yeah, I'm just like, that's that's insane. And then he's running and anyway, it's gonna be fun. Um, if y'all listened to last year, it was kind of like, oh, lineman, yeah, well, uh, blah blah blah. So we're yeah. gonna try and do a little bit more research, a little more more in depth, or you know, if uh, I don't know, things come up, we'll we'll continue the. the topic yeah so but yeah we'll keep it together it'll be fun though yeah that's one of the reasons why whenever i was researching some people to have jump on the show with us we got a couple individuals that are going to come on with this that talk outside the scope of just Mm -hmm. the offensive side of the football so i'm excited to have them on the show with us but 
Without further ado, we're going to tackle Texas A&M like we do every week. I'm going to break down their record, their recruiting class for last year and the upcoming years, talk about a little bit about their points for against and kind of dissect them a little bit and then go from there. But Texas A&M was 9-1 last year. Um, they had a big-time bowl win over North Carolina, who was playing at full strength um, because you know a lot of those players are returning. The 2020 recruiting class, they were ranked 6th. Um, I mean, first off, whenever I was looking at the recruiting classes, unbelievable. Top 10 across the board, which is fantastic. It just kind of shows what Jimbo Fisher can bring to the table, which is pretty big. Um, 2022 or 2021, sorry, they are ranked seventh. Um, these were my, uh, I'm hoping I got these right because Stoops likes to correct me whenever I do miss talk. And I think this is the one where I'm not 100% certain because this was as of a couple days ago. The 2022 recruiting class was at five. We're still, still there. At five. Yeah, I checked right, this morning okay. to double check because, <laughs> yeah, but they're still at five. Which, again, um, just listening to that off the bat, this is so far, this is obviously the highest rated classes that we've had with anybody um, because of the consistency there. Some of the teams that we have covered so far had been 14. And then, like last week, I think it was uh, Maryland, I think it was, or something like that. They were like 14 and then 57 and then 47. Yeah. But consistency is, is key in your recruiting class. And then, of course, development. This team was 9-1 last year. Let's not forget that this team was very, very good. Seven of the nine wins last year came by double-digit wins. Um, the first first game of the season, which was very awkward oh, wow. uh, against Vanderbilt, where Stoops thought the entire season was just going to be thrown away. That was scary. Um, and it was, a, it was a very scary game. Their lone loss was to Alabama, which hindered basically any title aspirations. Um, they do play in that same conference. So if they're going to – Get to the next level. A, it's going to take a couple teams losing if they do lose to Bama. And they almost snuck in this past year. But hmm. they're going to have to put a team together that's going to beat Alabama. And looking at the team this year, there's a lot of transition from Alabama. And there's a lot of, there's, there's some transition within Texas A&M. Um, but I could see this being... And off, and we say this every year about Alabama, but they're losing a lot of prospects this year. And there's a lot of question marks behind their new quarterback, which also we'll talk about, obviously, with AM. But just in their points for last year, they ranked 37th out of 128, scoring 32 points a game. And of course, they ranked 28. Now, ranking 28 is really good, folks, because you're ranking them as high. They only gave up 21 points a game last year. So, again, fantastic numbers. Stoops, initial thoughts on this team. And of course, I know you take a look at their schedule as well. Yeah. So for me, the I don't have a lot of concerns, but I have some concerns. The only concerns that I really, really have, it's just the offensive line. Um, I mean, they're losing four of their five starters last year. Um, but the guys they've got coming in um have some experience. Um, they've been on the team, they understand, you know, the concepts, the playbook, so on and so forth. Um, from some articles I've been reading, Jimbo, of course, every coach is going to, you know, play up their guys. But um, basically, he's just been saying how happy he is with the progression of the offensive line and the way things are looking. So that's comforting to see. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a fine point this year. Obviously, you, you kind of mentioned it. Quarterback Kellen Mond is gone um, after 22 years of being the starter, it felt like. Um, but yeah, the offense, I think, is where we're really starting to we need to see kind of what's going to happen. The defense, they're pretty, they're getting pretty much everyone back. I mean, two of their starters uh, went pro everyone else is back. So that's my biggest 
thing I love to see. And whenever you look at their defensive rankings within the SEC, um, so like for example, the yardage basically how many yards they gave up per game, they were first. They gave up the least amount of yards um, per game. basically ranked obviously for all stats, but within the sec, they were number one passing yards. They ranked second and then rushing yards. They ranked second as well, but as an overall, they had the number one defense for yards given up. So their, their defense, I'm not concerned with one, one bit at all. They're getting everyone back. Plus some big time recruits that are going to be coming in as well. And will they start right away? Who knows? But even if they're a rotational guy that that's perfectly fine, obviously. So, um, and we've seen Jimbo start some, some freshmen on the defensive side already. I know with Jalen Jones last year who played safety in high school, but moved him to corner, so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited this year looking at their schedule. There's a few games that do concern me um, just because obviously it's the SEC and some of these teams, you never know. Um, obviously the Alabama game, that's the biggest game on the schedule, right? That's, that's literally the biggest game on the schedule. If they lose that, they need a lot to happen because it's one of those where even if let's say that, you know, Alabama loses to Auburn, let's say that's still only one loss and Alabama owns the tiebreaker essentially against A&M. So it's like they would need them to lose two games then. And we just know that's very unlikely from an Alabama. So the LSU game obviously worries me. Even the Auburn game, um, as crazy as it sounds, the Arkansas game, the only reason that worries me is just because it's always a close game. There's just something about Arkansas and AM when they play that it's not an easy win. The final score might say it looked or, or it seemed easy, but if you watch the game, they're never that easy of a win. But I do think they finished the season again at 11 and 1 um, with a couple games in there. The, the LSU game is probably a, a top one as well, just because it's in Baton Rouge. Yeah, we know I how that goes. This game is quite interesting. It's as well, yeah, because they're returning all those starters. Lane Kiffin had those boys playing last year. Now, the big question, obviously, as we spoke about on the Ole Miss episode, was what is their defense going to do? Because yeah. I mean, Texas AM could score points and they play defense, so that's the biggest thing for me. But yeah, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Um, obviously, you said it recruiting classes, they're top 10, top five, you know, they're consistently putting out or bringing in some top talent guys. Um, and the crazy thing that uh, one thing I like to see is, so yeah, you've got your Alabamas, your Ohio States, um, even your Georgias, whoever they're cons- consistently bringing in the five-star guys, which obviously you want to have as many five-star guys as you possibly can get, but to be a top 10, top five class and generally only have one to two five-star guys coming in, they're getting a lot of those top ranked four-star guys. Um, which, you know, we always say this, if you can get a four-star with the five-star mentality, you know, that's that's just a win right there, obviously. So one thing I found interesting, and this is obviously massive wishful thinking. I went back and looked at Jimbo Fisher's like recruiting classes and kind of how things panned out. So his first year at Florida State, they were eight, the eighth ranked uh, recruiting class in the nation, and they finished 17th at the end of that season. Fast forward to 2013. So basically, what, three, four years later, recruiting class was 11th. That was the year they won the national championship with – um what was his name? Jameis. Um, they won the national championship that year. Now, fast forward even more to 2018. First year there, they had the 17th ranked recruiting class. Obviously, that wasn't all his guys, um, obviously, but he had a couple in there. Finished 16th ranked. So now you fast forward that same time frame. That's the season we're in right now. So I joked at the beginning, but it's Jimbo's time to win that national championship. So um, we'll see. But it's just funny how the years have aligned and and rankings kind of looked very similar through those years but 
I do think this team is is destined for something great. They they started it last year. We're gonna see. Um, we just gotta make sure, obviously, that they get that offensive line squared away. Um, we'll see. But they've got some good guys coming in, some big guys even coming in the future that won't affect this year, obviously. But even years going into the the future, they've got some some big guys coming in. So yeah, their defense is set. It's the offense. We just gotta make sure that obviously things are organized and offensive line knows what to uh, do and communicates. And that's the biggest thing. You know, we say that with quarterback to receiver, but with offensive line, they've got to communicate amongst, amongst each other. Um, and that's what makes Alabama. Obviously we always keep, I know it's an A&M episode, but we keep talking about Alabama because that's obviously who stands in the way every year. I mean, their offensive line, it's just like clockwork, you know, and we see it basically from the, the results on the field. So yeah, we'll, we shall they, see. They pull and plug better than anybody mm-hmm. I've ever seen any in, in the history of, yep. of football. Absolutely. Um, the big question is going to be obviously the quarterback position. Um, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, this is going to be Fisher's first guy, right? You know what I mean? Correct. Mond was there prior to his existence. So it's going to be interesting to see how the potential Haynes King error does come in. Obviously, Zach Calzada and Eli Towers off. The, the quarterback room is full with four-star prospects, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it looks like King is, is the leader in the clubhouse to be that guy. He's athletic. He is able to extend plays. You hear Jimbo talk about his leadership. Uh, I believe in watching what I've watched on him and reading what I've read about him and even hearing Jimbo talk about him mm-hmm. that I feel like he's perfectly uh, capable of running this offense, right? Because I think that he's a little bit more athletic than Mon was. And, and to me, this is a, it's a very run style offense with your quarterback. It's like that dual RPO style where you have to have your quarterback moving. But I do think that Haynes has a nice little arm on him as well. And, and it's going to be important because we'll talk about the receivers later. But for me personally, I feel like that's one of the weaknesses mm-hmm. of this team is the wide receiver. Like, I'm not saying they don't have the talent. I think they just lack experience because I feel like their best receivers are their tight ends right now. And, and to me, that's how it's just how I feel. And even talking about that, like, you know, why am I, he's hurt again type of thing. So for me, it's like going back and forth, but Sticking to quarterback, Haynes King has what I've seen. Again, there's not a lot. We haven't seen a whole lot from him, right? You got to go based off of what we've seen in, in in high school, and then what we've seen transition here and there, and what you kind of hear about him. But Fisher is not a guy, in my opinion, that just blows smoke just to blow smoke on guys. So hearing him talk highly of King is something that I'm excited about because. We've talked plenty of times on this show about how Kellen Mond's ability to win football games has been a problem. Yes, they were 9-1 and one last year. But, you know, we had a Spiller who went crazy in a couple of games. I'm not saying Mond is bad, but I'm also not saying that he's good. I feel like the, limited, the limited, limitations of this offense were because of him. They never really could air the ball out the way I feel like. If you remember, Winston aired the ball out mm-hmm. in Fisher's offense. And Winston wasn't great, but he still – he had a he has a gun on him, right? You know what I mean? And Mott has a nice arm. I'm not saying he – but like I said, I'm interested to see. The Mon, the Mon error is, is, is come to a close. I do, th- I do agree with you on the offensive line aspect. They're going to have to protect King. The running game – 
in my opinion, we'll talk about it in a minute. It's not even a concern. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a concern. I think they've got a, a nice two headed, almost three headed monster really. Um, and again, we'll talk about it in a minute, but thoughts on King Snoops. Yeah, it's, it's, so it hasn't obviously been officially said, but it, based on what we saw last year, based on, you know, the things we've heard, we've read, so on and so forth. It seems as if Haynes King will be the starter. Um, last year, obviously, when the games were either a blowout win or it was a blowout loss or just kind of however it fell, um, which there was obviously only the one loss, and that was Alabama. But he came into that Alabama game, and he actually, even though he threw the pick, right, he did throw the pick, I was very impressed with what we saw because it's not like he came in against a Tennessee, <laughs> um, a Kentucky, a, you know, Vanderbilt, one of the, the the lesser teams in the conference. He came in against literally the best team in the conference. So, and he, he looked respectable given the lack of, you know, true game time that he, he's seen on the field. I, I'm excited to see what we can get out of Haynes King. I, I think that his ability and his willingness to make those tough passes already. And then obviously his ability on the ground. He is the dual threat guy. He was the fifth ranked dual dual threat quarterback coming out um, of high school. He was a four-star guy, but he was basically the ninth ranked overall quarterback. So when you throw the pro style and the dual threats together, he was still the ninth ranked overall quarterback in his recruiting class. So it's, it's going to be his to win. Um, I think the only other guy, I, this is no disrespect to Zach Calzada. I just don't see him being the guy. Um, just based on the the time that he has spent there, he saw no snaps last year. Like literally he did not see one game snap last year. So, and the fact that Haynes King did, I think that kind of tells us the only other guy would be Eli Stowers. I think he's the only one that could maybe, maybe come in and, and kind of win that job over King. But given experience, it's King, right? That's the route I think that they're going to go with it. That's just kind of the way way it seems. So, And I told you off air, um, I'm going to the spring game, so I will be there to watch all of this stuff kind of unfold, and we'll see how that, that looks you know, live. Um, and I'm really excited about that. So it's King's job to win, and it's his job to lose, really. it's it's The keys are his. He's just got to go out and show it and win it and, and prove that it's – it's his team. Um, and just, I mean, when you look back at his high school stuff, I mean, he won the state championship. I think it was his junior year. So he's basically gone out and he's been on the big stage. And we're talking in Texas as well. I understand, you know, California, Florida. There's other states that are just as big into football kind of thing. But um, when you're in Texas, Texas and you win state. Forever. Well, but when, when you go out and you win that state championship, no matter the state you're in, obviously, um, it's a big accomplishment. So he's seen it. He's done it. Um and then even his senior season, they had a phenomenal team. They just didn't obviously go and win in state. But man, I'm excited. Um, I said this last year, and I obviously it's, seeing what I see now, ending with nine and one, like I'm happy with that type of a season. But I had said I would have almost rather had a rough season with Haynes King starting and getting that experience than continue to watch what Kellen Mond was doing. Now again, yes, nine and one, great, I get it. But could you imagine Haynes King having that season? And now coming into this year, oh, it would have been been phenomenal. But I'm still actually pretty confident with you know with his ability back there, his comfort in the pocket. Um, it was one of those where when the rush would come in, I mean, he wasn't trying to scramble and get away from things. He would step up into the pocket, and whether it was an aired throw or not, you know, um, he, he only had four pass attempts, so it's not like he was out there throwing you know 20, 30 times a game. 
Um, but man, I'm I'm excited. Um, it's this is the style quarterback that I think Jimbo wants, and Kellen Mond fit that mold as well. We just kind of talked about it. He just looked like a loss, like a deer in deer in the headlights half the time. So, and I don't think Haynes King has that type of look as well. So, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see kind of how it how it pans out for sure. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Transition over to the running back position. Like I said, I I feel like they have a really good two to three headed monster here. Obviously, Isaiah Spiller coming off a huge um, season, 1,036 yards, nine touchdowns, added 20 catches, 193 yards to that. Um, Aina Smith, who's playing more of a dual threat role for the team. He plays in the running back, and then, of course, he plays in that slot a little bit as well. He did, funny enough, um, w- led the team in receiving yards last mm-hmm. year, which is, for me, that's where I think it's problematic for that wide receiver position. But um, he did have 293 yards on the ground. Um, but he did have the 43 catches, 564 yards, and 10 total touchdowns. He actually had a little bit. He had one more touchdown than Spieler did. But again, like, like I said, Smith does line up in that um, out wide a little bit more than Spiller does. I actually would love to see him utilize Fisher. I would love to see him utilize Spiller in some ways that he does with Smith just to kind of see what his ability is. Um, to kind of be that third down back. I, he, he did have 20 catches, which obviously I think was almost double the, what he had the year prior. Um, or was it less? I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, I'm a big Spiller guy. I think Spiller ranks amongst my top. I mean, we'll, well, we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is in my top five, I think, for uh, running backs in this upcoming class. Um, I think he's talented. I think that there was times where I, I wanted to punch a wall, which I mean is an underestimate because I know that you are 10 times worse than me since you are an AM fan, where Spiller was not getting the ball, didn't see the ball. I think it was the Alabama game where he had 11 total touches, 11 total touches. And I understand that that game became fast-paced, but if you if you've seen Spiller play, then you see that he is a one touch away from taking the ball to the house or – ripping off a 30-yard run or 40-yard run because there was a one game, and I can't remember which one it was, but Stoops and I are texting back and forth, watching the AM game, and we're like, where's Spiller? Where's Spiller? Will Spiller? Spiller comes in, breaks off a 40-yard run, and then for some reason, Fisher pulls him off the field. And, I think and, it was the Vanderbilt game. I think it was it the first game of the season. And it blew my mind because it was like, where is Spiller at? And, that's, and that was part of my problem. Obviously, they have uh, Devon A-Chain. A chain, A-chain. A-chain. Devin, Devin, he's a four star prospect. He had 461 total yards last year and five touchdowns. So, like I said, the, the thing that I'm the least concerned about is the running back crew. Obviously, the, the offensive line is going to play a pivotal role in, in them succeeding again this year. But if we're talking offense, this is probably AM's strong suit, right? Stoops, yeah, 100%. Um, Obviously, Spiller, he's the starter. Um, we know that. We've seen that. So um, having another year under his belt, I think, is obviously going to just, you know, be an amazing thing for him. Um, yeah, having a nice Smith, he 
he's just used all over. Yes, he's still considered or classified as a running back, but he does line up out at wide receiver more frequently than he's in the backfield. Um, but he still does line up in the backfield. But I think A-Chain this year is going to see much more or many more touches in the backfield. Um, obviously, he's just as fast, if not faster. He's probably one of the fastest guys, if not the fastest on the team. Um, he's running track at AM as well, and he's actually already posted, I think they said, the second fastest um, SEC time. I don't know if it was for the season or all time. I don't know. Anyway, he's still a very, very fast guy. Um, we even saw that in the North Carolina game where he broke that that long run. So, like you said, they've definitely got that three-headed monster. They've got some guys coming in. They've got LJ Johnson. That was a big, big commit um, at the running back position that AM got this year. He's another four-star guy. He was the fourth-ranked running back in the class, so um, 45th ranked in the nation. So definitely a top guy coming in. They've got Amari Daniels coming in as well. He's a speedster. Um, I don't I don't expect him to see much, you know, playing time this season. And then another guy um, from the same high school, actually, they were teammates. Um, Yule Keith Brown. He's another fast speedster. He's an athlete. He was lined up out at wide receiver. I think Brown is going to be the guy that eventually takes over that Anaya Smith role, where he can be used kind of in the backfield in the uh, receiver area. I think Brown's the guy that'll take over that position. And then Amari Daniels would be the one that'll come in and kind of take over A-Chain when the time comes. So it's kind of like Spiller's, I'm sorry, uh, Fisher is, he's trying to get to that point of when one guy leaves, we're good. We're just, we're re re refilling that role. We're not necessarily scrambling to say, oh, we got to get this guy in. We've already got him. That's what it seems like he's doing. And that's what you've got to do, especially in the SEC, but in general, in NCAA football, college football these days, You've got to have the next guy up mentality. You can't have the, okay, well, we've got him for three years. We'll address it in a year or two. Like, no, you've you got to have it now, right? So, and I think that's the case. Um, I do think if any of these guys come in and see more playing time, I think LJ Johnson's going to be that guy. Um, I don't think he's going to be, obviously, one of the top, you know, carriers on the team. Um, A-Chain had 43 last year. I think LJ Johnson would probably see the 35 to 45 carries for the season. That's what I think we'll see from it, but... The running back position is not a concern whatsoever. I think, like you even said, that's the that's the solid point and no question point of this offense. Um, we've seen what can happen. They're continuing to bring guys in, so it's it's going to be exciting. I even went and looked at like kind of their red zone um, red zone numbers. And Spiller had 31 carries, 106 yards, eight rushing touchdowns inside that red zone. Um, a-Chain only had eight carries, 26 yards, two touchdowns. Smith had 19 carries, 82 yards, three touchdowns, with five receptions, 36 yards, and four receiving touchdowns. So they're getting it done inside the red zone. They're making it happen. Um, man, it's – I just keep saying it, but I'm just excited to see what happens this season. And like you said, I, I don't think the running backs are a concern whatsoever. Receivers, there's some guys, but, I yeah, that one's a little bit more of a, a question mark. Yeah, and transitioning into that. So looking at the team, um, you have Caleb Chapman, which there's questions surrounding the fact whether or not he's going to even uh, be ready for the season to start. For me, watching him play against Florida, nine catches, 151, two touchdowns. It was yeah. exciting. And then, of course, he got hurt. He's going to miss spring practice. Demon DeMoss didn't really see the field last year, which was much to the frustration of one Stoops. And I'm sure he'll touch on that a little bit in a, in a few minutes. Haziah Jones, senior four stars, Chase Lane. 
I combine the tight ends and the wide receivers here because I think their best weapons, like I said earlier, are mm-hmm. in that tight end position. So you have Jalen Watermeyer, and then, of course, you have Baylor Cup. Now, the thing with Watermeyer, he led the team in catches last year, 46, and yard, or he came with second in yards, 506, six touchdowns. Watermeyer is going to miss spring football. Um, he did, It was a freak accident, apparently yeah. sliced his finger. Um, he had to have surgery on it. They say he's on track to play week one of the season. But again, it's another knock on this on this offense. Chapman's going to miss spring ball. Weidermeyer's going to miss spring ball. We've got some receivers. DeMoss is fresh. Brand new, yeah, but he's still fresh. Didn't have the offseason last year. I think that might have hindered some of his playing time coming into the season. Um, Stoops, this, this team's kind of all over the place when it comes to the wide receiver position because, like I said, if, if – I mean, Chase Lane had 29-409, two touchdowns last year. I think if Chapman was healthy, this wide receiver crew would be much more deadlier heading into this season than they are. But the question marks surrounding that 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 injury, when will he be back, uh, how much time rehab, et cetera, I, I don't know. There's just so many question marks here. Obviously, like I said, you had the two-headed beast with Watermeyer and Cup. I don't think Watermeyer missing spring practice is all that big mm-hmm. of a deal, especially since it's only his finger – uh, um, obviously it does come in contact with catching, et cetera, et cetera. I know he hit a nerve or something like that, but as long as all of that comes into play, he's, he's played in this offense. So I'm not really concerned with him understanding the offense. I do think maybe him playing with King could be a little bit of a concern just because he's, I'm sure he's caught balls from King. I'm not saying he hasn't, but that chemistry is important. But for me, it's going to be kind of pivotal to see. It's crazy enough, pivotal to see what you see at that spring game with mm-hmm. who's going to break out for the wide receiver crew for this team. Cause they're going to need it, right? This, the, the SEC, if, in order to beat Alabama, you're going to have to put up points in order to put up points. You're, you're not just going to be able to run the football down Alabama's throat. You can't, it, it's just, it's not possible. So Stoops, this wide receiver crew, I, I don't, I really don't know what to say. Obviously DeMoss has all the potential in the world, in the world. What are your thoughts here? Yeah. <sighs> It seems so that that's that's the thing. When you look at other programs around the country, they have that one guy that that is kind of okay, this is our receiver, right? And then you have some other guys that fill in. Some colleges have two or three guys and they're lucky enough to have that. But you know, you look at obviously like the Alabamas, Smith, Waddle, so on. You look at the LSU, they had Chase, Marshall, you know, you start looking around, even like a Purdue, Bell, Moore, like They've got guys around, and AM doesn't seem to quite have that guy just yet, outside of obviously their tight ends, which even when you go back a little bit further, they've kind of made the tight ends the um kind of that focal point of the receiving portion of things, which is great, which is fine. But last time I checked, most tight ends aren't going to be able to beat a guy down the field and make big plays. Yes, okay, Weidemeyer's athletic. He can, you know, catch those 30, 40 yard balls down the field and get some extra yardage. But guys like even like Chase Lane, like Chapman, that big, big touchdown catch he had against Florida. You're not going to see a tight end go up and do that unless it's Kyle Pitts. That's that's a whole different story, right? But um we didn't have Kyle Pitts. So anyway, no, I I, I do think that's the concern. I'm not as concerned about the Weidermeyer injury. Yes, it's the hand, right? Yes, obviously that affects catching the ball. He can still stay in shape, though, right? He can still run. He can still do all that stuff. Now, unless they've kind of blocked him off completely to where he can't do any type of activities, with it being a hand, I I don't know if they would do that. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Chapman, 
obviously it was an ACL. That's a little bit different. He can't be out there and run around in condition. I think he's probably at the point now where he can do light work and light stuff, um, still rehab, obviously. But it, from what I've been reading um, and hearing, he should be ready week one. Obviously, ACLs, you don't want to necessarily rush it, especially if you don't have to. But with, with the technology advancements, we've seen guys come back much quicker than what's expected. So we'll see. And you got to think, because I'm looking at their – I mean, I'm going to scroll back up real quick. So looking at their schedule, they got Kent State week one. Does he really need to play against Kent State? Probably not. Chemistry, it helps, obviously. Yeah, give it one of those games. Then they've got Colorado. I think that could be a tougher game than you know maybe what we think. But even then, if he's not ready, okay, so be it. Then you've got New Mexico. If Even if he doesn't come back till week three, I think we'll be okay. I think it'll be fine. So we'll see. But they've obviously got some guys. Cameron Buckley, he's coming back from an ACL injury as well. He missed last season um, completely. So he's a big, big-time guy. But yeah. Damas, that's that's the guy, right? We've from what I've read, um, it's I think a lot of it comes down to the playbook. From what I've been seeing, it's just a hard system for freshman receivers to really grasp, is what I'm understanding. Obviously, there's probably more behind the scenes stuff that we just don't know. Obviously, yes, we had that arrest and so on and so forth. Which so not to go on that tangent, but with with how little he had on him, it's kind of like I get it. It's still a law. It's still technically illegal. But anyway, that's a whole different that's a whole different discussion. But um, in anybody in the comments, don't get political. Again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I I think he's if you watch some of the clips, obviously he's posting them on his Instagram, so it's like he's gonna obviously want the better clips, but. He's going against like Jalen Jones, who's basically he's one of the top corners on the team. And there's times where he's just burning him and he's making diving catches. And Dem- he's just got to learn that playbook. He's got to do whatever he needs to do to get on that field because him and King, Demond and, and Haynes King, for the next at least two years, man, that's that could be scary. And that's the guy that this team needs. They need that deep ball threat, athletic, can make plays once it's in his hand. That's going to open up the Chapmans, the Chase Lanes, the Jones, exactly. the Anaya Smiths, even Spiller running the ball, A-Chain, Haynes King running the ball. It's going to open up so much. Just having that one guy yeah. lined up out wide, it's, it's going to make a massive difference. And they're going to hone in on these tight ends because I feel like exactly. that's all you do right now. Like, it, let's just – I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to see Cup and Watermeyer on the field together running at the same time. And then if you if you factor in those two with DeMoss, Spiller, like you have the core potential. Potential is the word here. I think that that really um, thrives, but it's it, it's it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I'm going to be very interested to kind of see what you see uh, during their spring practice because, like I said, they have the talents, they have it. It's just the connection, the 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 making the, the connect. You know, the execution is that's the word I was looking for. Is is where I think it's a little bit lacking. Well, and they've even got um, another Moose Muhammad. He he's yeah. he's another guy that's on the team that I I think is is going to be definitely someone who sees more playing time this year. Um, going to see some catches. He's just another guy that can make plays. Right. So as far as the talent and they've got in um i never had know how to say his name shadrack banks um he's at a north shore um he was a four-star guy coming in he's another guy they the talent isn't questioned it's just getting them involved and learning the playbook and, and building that chemistry so the talent is there at receiver 
they've just got to find that guy that separates himself. And now he's at least considered in most people's eyes, the number one guy. And that's just going to open everything up. And I think that's going to be the key. Haynes King, the line, um, the offensive line, and then the receivers. I know that's, that's a big thing to, (laughs) to, you know, just kind of brush past, but if they can get that figured out early in the season, obviously um, it's, Sky's the limit for this season. Sky's the limit, in my opinion. I agree 100%. All right, folks, we have covered uh, Texas A&M now. We're going to transition into our Debbie running back rankings five through one. Each week, we've tackled five guys and giving you our rankings on them. The last two episodes, we tackled 15 through 11, 10 through 6, and today we're going to give you five through one. Stoops, I'm going to let you kick it off. Give us your five through three. So number five is a guy that we actually just talked about. Um, but it's kind of weird. Like he's still classified as the running back, but he lines up at receiver. That's Anaya Smith. I just think his his versatility, he's still considered a running back. That's why I have him ranked in the running backs. But his versatility in the backfield, able to catch passes, I think it's just that's the the type of player that a lot of these NFL organizations are wanting to have um, nowadays with a lot of the, the, the way they call their plays. So, I've got Anaya Smith that's sitting at number five. Number four, um, Kyron Williams at another name. He was just another guy that that definitely made a name for himself last season. That whole Notre Dame team just kind of – I'll say it. They, they proved a lot of people wrong. You know, yeah, they kind of showed us who they were when when the, the big game, the big, big game um, outside of Clemson obviously came around. So it is what it is, but he, he made a name for himself. He definitely did, and I've got him sitting at number four. Number three – Love this guy, but I couldn't put him at one or two just yet. Bijan Robinson, man, just just sit down and watch even a little bit of his of his film. Um, he's the real deal, you know. And it breaks my heart because he went he's going to Texas. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, sort of. Um, anyway, um, man, but watching him seriously, it, it's 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 unbelievable what he can do. Just get the ball in his hands, and I think now with with Sarkeesian there. I think he's going to just dominate. I think they're going to feed him in every which way you can possibly imagine. And I think Bijan is going to be, when it's his time and he declares, he will be a first round, potentially oh, a top 10 um, option, you know, draft pick. And even if you look a lot uh, recently, um, that's not really a common thing for a running back, but when certain guys come around, like, yeah, you've got to do it. Um, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but who was the, I mean, I know we've seen some other first round running backs go, but as far as like top 10, I know Zeke went, um, say Quan Barkley obviously went, but it's like, it's not, he's the last guy. That's what I was thinking. Barkley. Cause 10. I know Clyde Edwards, he was, uh, what the 30th, 31st pick or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, 32nd, it was basically one of the end ones. Barkley, I think was the last Barkley. Top 10. Running so it's back. not as common of a thing as probably what it was even yeah. five to yeah, 10 years ago. Let's even say questioning whether like that. I mean, people say Najee's going in the first, but they're saying he's going to go in that bottom 10. You know what I mean? So it's it's still a question mark of, of that running back position. So it'll be interesting. So, yeah, that's my five through three. Five for me, Tank Bigsby, Auburn, big kid. I like him. Uh, coming to fours for me is B. John Robinson out of Texas. He's my number four. I think those two obviously are going to be um, both five-star prospects. 
Mm-hmm. I think those two are going to be attached to each other for, you know, this coming season and the following season, obviously, sure. because it's going to be the same class. But I do agree with you. Like this is I think B. John's probably going to be the consensus Devi uh, number one running back after this season's over pretty easily because the, the, my next three guys, you know, my three through one are all 2022 guys. But coming to number three, I have Isaiah Spiller. Um Everything I said earlier, I think that this guy is it. I think this guy's going to be a dual threat running back out of the backfield. I think he's going to be very good on Sundays. Um, and I'll go with my number two is uh, the very disrespected guy from Mr. Stoops, and that's Eric Gray. Um, I I am all in on Eric Gray. I'm all in. He's a little bit small, smaller than I'd like, but he's 5'10". Um, he did go to Oklahoma, where I think that he's going to be able to showcase his ability to run the football um he uh, and mucks about 75 other guys transferred out of ut for a good reason mm-hmm. um i guess his bag his mcdonald's bag was a little light so he left <laughs> we joke but uh, you know um but i think eric gray is a three down back he's he's oh my god he's so, just watch him just like like you said with b john I, i'm not comparing him to b john but just watch eric gray on tape he's fantastic and the disrespect that my co-host just gave to him really kind of hurts my heart because I feel like he's one of the best running backs in this class, but, but not the best. So it's fine. <laughs> he's not, he's not Brees Hall. I mean, I'm sorry. Brees Hall is my RB one. Brees Hall, uh, Brees Hall has been my RB one for a while. I don't think that's going to move. I think he's going to be the RB one in this class. I think he's the best running back in this upcoming class. And I'm not really sure that anybody will come close. I really don't. I feel like he's going to, it's going to be Hall and then the rest. Um, this class to me is very like, this is weird. I'm looking, looking at the receivers. I was looking at the running backs. Now we're going to the quarterbacks and there's just a bunch of, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that none of these guys aren't going to be great on Sundays, but even the quarterback position, me, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in Keaton. Slovis. I'm a big believer. I'm talking about 2022 and not 2023, 24, because DJ ukulele is going to be probably the best quarterback prospect since mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, but that's a side of the coin. But I'm talking about this 2022 quarterback class and then running back class. It's just there's – I don't know. Like any one of the guys really in the running back – I mean, Brees Hall I think is going to be the consensus one, I think, heading into the 2022 draft. But any of these guys could really have a great season and be like, hey, I'm number one now. So what's your two and one? My two is Brees Hall. Yeah, well. My number one – Biased. Is Isaiah Spiller. Biased. No, <laughs> I think it's inner. I personally think I yeah. know you're obviously on a whole different thought process. I think it's interchangeable. I think those two guys are the ones that are going to separate themselves from everyone else. That's truly what I think. Um, I'm not sure I really feel how I feel about this air grace slander on this podcast. Well, we're, we're we've moved past him. We're on Isaiah. <laughs> um, no, I, I I think Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, those two to me in that class are the ones that are just kind of on a different level. I think they're the tier ones, you know, and then you kind of get into tier two and start, start listening to the other guys off. But um, yeah. And I, I'll be honest, I kind of fought with it. I understand Brees Hall at one, like you look at his numbers. He obviously does have better numbers on, on paper, but when you look at it, he had 279 rush attempts for 2,500 yards. I'm sorry, 1500 yards. Oh God. 1500 yards. Let's say 2500. Yeah. What slander the man for 2500 now. But then Spiller had the 188 for 1036. So it's like when you break down the numbers, it's 
the yards per carry start to even out. You know what I mean? Now, touchdowns, obviously, it was totally different. Hall had 21 and Spiller had nine. So here I am making the case for Hall at one. But anyway. Yeah, but the thing about it is, is what we what we like to verify. On this one's podcast, in the Big 12 and one's in the SEC. I got to say that. Well, one thing that we like to verify on this podcast is touchdowns aren't everything, guys. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just about the numbers. And I can, I'm tired of yeah. talking about that. Touchdown. We talked about that the Michael Carter, Javante Williams podcast, which Stoops broke it down pretty plain and simple of why Javante Williams ended up with more touchdowns than Michael Carter. And folks, we still have, and you'll hear it in the next couple of weeks when we give our final 2021 rankings for the running backs and quarterbacks, wide receiver and tight end. But you will hear us talk about why we still believe that Michael Carter is the better quarter, running back, quarterback, running back heading into this draft class. But, Real quick. This is kind of off of the player rankings thing, but Iowa State, I think they're going to be a team this year that that really can challenge Oklahoma for that that Big Twelve title. Um, they're bringing, I mean, they've they've pretty much got their key pieces on that offense coming back. Um, I think even on, and I don't know this for sure, but even on the defense, like a, a lot of their key guys are coming back, returned, whatever. So I think that Iowa State team can be. You could call them the the Cinderella team of, of that that conference, but they're already a highly touted ranked, you know, based on what they did last year. But I think Iowa State's going to be a team to keep an eye on for sure. That that most people won't really talk about, um, just because they're not the Alabamas, Ohio States, Floridas, whoever, Georgias, whoever's right. So we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, how this kind of unfolds. Um, I think you're wrong, and I'm still upset about your Eric Gray slander, but we'll talk about that more. Uh, we have plenty of time to talk about that between now and you know next draft cycle. Uh, the next two weeks, Stoops and I will be talking about the upcoming 2021 draft leading up to the 2021 draft. Uh, we're going to dive back into that well one last time. Um, like I said, Stoops and I, the crazy thing about it is, is before we go, and I'll say this is, We've talked about these guys so much <laughs> that we're ready to move on. That's why we've been doing these college football previews, and we appreciate you tuning in like you do each and every week. So we're going to give you one last run at these guys leading up to the live show, and then we'll give you a post-draft show, and then we'll kind of dive back into these previews. Um, yeah, so follow Stoops on Twitter, at Stoops1990. Give myself a follow, at Ricky Valera underscore. Thank you so much for the continued support of the show. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. See you all later. I'm delighted. I've been lighted. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.